ever worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Welcome to the latest episode of the It's Canon Podcast. It's a new day, it's a new episode here. This is the newest episode for the week of August 3rd, 2020. In this episode, we're going to be talking about all things geek. We're going to be talking about the latest in geek news in terms of movies, TVs, video games, books, toys anything and everything and we have a lot to cover this week and then for part two we actually have an awesome episode lined up as we have a very special guest in matt elfring from GameSpot. gonna be great it's gonna be fun we're gonna be talking about the state of geek with him and kind of the brave new world and how people are covering the news of geekdom especially with conventions and all those things essentially gone So we have an awesome double show this week. You can wait for part two later on Wednesday. As always, we are your hosts. I'm Boris. And then somewhere north of Toronto is Phil. Hey, everybody. How's it going? And also, we have the prodigal son, Tyler. I'm not dead. Yet. Look right. <laughs> so, how, how's everything, guys? However, well, Phil, I talk to you all the time, so I really don't care. Tyler, how's everything with you? It, last week was the weirdest week I've had in a long time. Uh, usually, first week of August, I'm in Indianapolis for Gen Con, and cons don't exist anymore. And they tried to do an online-only Gen Con. And I think they said they had 40,000 attendees, which is weird. Wow. But, yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to kind of see the number of attendees versus active attendees. And how they split them up between people who have just signed up versus people who are actually at these, um, you know, actual side calls and events and and i guess being interactive uh, as opposed to just signing up oh totally i mean that's that's a phenomenon at gen con itself too because there's a bunch of people who show up by for one day and they just go in and they buy uh they just go into the dealer hall yeah and they're done so it's such a weird phenomenon um yeah it's it's super weird adjusting and, you know, I think that for a lot of people, 
this is when it really hit them. Like, there's so many businesses that are like, oh, we don't have anything to sell. There's a bunch of artists who are yeah. like, I don't, don't make money now. So it's been a weird, weird week. How yeah. about y'all? I can imagine, I can imagine. And that's essentially one of the major topics that we want to talk to Matt about later um, this week. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's it's changing a lot. And I think that even the companies themselves, like, and, and I'm talking about the actual production companies or the comic companies. Um, you know, how are they going to use their marketing money um, and, and kind of what the new strategy for marketing is? Uh, are they going to be running their own events? Are they going to be kind of, um, you know, using and 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 other events to make announcements, and kind of you know how they're going to build strategies around you know not pe- not being able to be in person to give these grand announcements and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, what the brave new world and we can- for us. Yeah, we can already see it, Boris. Sorry to interrupt you. No go. We can already see it in in terms of E three. Right. We, we took a, an event that was, you know, debatable in its popularity. Uh, it's become way more accessible. However, companies have learned through the fact that E3 doesn't exist this year, that they're able to still reach their markets and they're able to self-propel their marketing divisions into people's homes you know, to get that uh, the eyeballs and the attention that it wants. But I think for the con industry personally... It is an interesting question because, you know, I'd for sure sign up and I have signed up to go to, you know, virtual events, but I don't really attach myself to the con per se. I just attach myself to the event or the guest that I want to get the information and I go through the hoops that they set up and the donations and whatnot and, you know, participate in it, do it, and maybe I won't return. Like, it's it's a weird dynamic. Yeah, I actually want to, I want to have a quick, like, mini discussion with you two about that. Of I I think that long term the the digital only con and like Phil was saying the fact that you know your Sony your Nintendo whoever they don't need conventions they can just like we're gonna do our own YouTube videos I think that's really bad for customers long term agreed yeah it in in one sense it flattens the 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 distribution so I get at the same time as everybody else. Yeah. But I'm only getting one side of it. I'm only getting the, you know what I mean, like the, the fanboy side of it, if you if you will. Or I can choose to expose myself to whatever. So, like, just take a look at Halo Infinite, right? That announcement comes out, and immediately I'm like, ooh, Halo, I got the feels. You know, it, it's it's nostalgic. It's fun. It's it's Halo's back. Oh, I don't need an Xbox Series X. And then there's a whole bunch of ambiguity around that. Oh, that God. now I have to go out and try and find it as a fan. But then I start questioning what I'm seeing because I'm like, well, this kind of looks shitty. This kind of, you know, it doesn't look next gen. I'm not going to say shitty. Shitty's harsh. But it doesn't look next gen. And then I'm left with a whole bunch of questions and now backpedaling from Xbox. And it's just a weird marketing strategy that's going to end up confusing a lot of fans, I think, in its attempt to simplify uh, uh, discussion and and distribution. Right. It's just going to cause more. I've, I'm gonna have to like uh, pull the, uh, the the brakes there on that one because I think Microsoft kind of dropped the ball. 
I think that that's the exception to this case where Microsoft really screwed up. They didn't have a clear message. They still don't know what they want to do. You know, in a little bit, we're going to even be talking about the future of Xbox Live and Game Pass and even the rebranding. Are you serious? Of- Microsoft doesn't know the future? <laughs> Well, this is the second console launch in a row where they dropped the ball right yeah. on the like the yeah. opening. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. Microsoft, I, I know, believe it or not, a company so so amazing. So, you know, because everything works for Microsoft. So clearly, you know, they've uh, mastered the art in not knowing <laughs> their fan base. And again, you know, what I'm trying to say here is that they dropped the ball, you know. Typically, a company wants to control their own message. This is one of the things that have made Apple super successful, is controlling the message from beginning to end, uh, you know, from the from from rumors to the actual launch event to the first experience of, of someone using one of their products to even what the experience is going to look like 30, 60, 90 days after the customer gets the product. This is why Apple is Apple. They've been able to control the message, and we've just yeah. But eaten that's it. because they control the ecosystem. They control everything. Like they, they are image control masters. Yeah. Whereas I think Microsoft have constantly displayed that they want to be that, but I think Microsoft are just consistently missing the mark. I don't know if it's their focus groups. I don't know if it's just ego at the top or what, but. I think man, oh man, have they ever the th- got some big stuff wrong? One of the things that constantly. makes Mike, what that hurts Microsoft is that it appears that you know their PC division, their their office word division, um, software division is siloed so far from the Xbox division that the two sides never talk. They don't know what they're actually doing, and there's no actual strategic planning coming from the top. So then, when it comes time to controlling the message they obviously have a hard time in doing so because the left hand isn't talking to the right hand i i mean i think that that the halo infinite example specifically is a it's a trickier example for all the reasons you're both bringing up of like microsoft is such a such an odd entity it's such an odd actor in the space i think that you know uh, possibly like a more a more accessible example might even be this this avengers game that like, I I genuinely just want to know what the game plays like, and I yep. feel like I have no idea what this like. What is this? A, is this a punch em up? I feel like I have no idea, and I've watched two videos, and I'm just curious. Well, th- I know with specifically with Avengers, they're going into betas, yeah, over the next but- three weeks or so. So odds are there's going to be a lot of beta keys going around. So we're gonna get a pretty good breakdown. I, I the controversy that I saw today about it was the fact that. PlayStation has the Spider-Man. Yeah. And now everyone's writing this article, well, what a dumb idea and stuff like that. And, you know, the most honest headline I saw was good for PlayStation, but bad for Avengers fans. And I'm like, well, Avengers fans aren't a part of the planning of this. It's a console war, baby. Like, we are in a full-on nuclear exchange between Microsoft (laughs) and Sony right now. And it's just getting started. Oh, totally. I, I, yeah, and I think that if you didn't have those betas, though, like you'd only have the YouTubers that they have prepped and ready to go to only say positive things going out to a launch. Yeah, and that 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 happens a lot, but I think it's being pushed back now a lot uh, off of uh, Last of Us Two. I think that there was there was a real 
shakeup in the industry. I'm hoping that that people are now because I know a few reviewers were like, well, we think it's a good game, but we don't think it's a perfect game. And and developers, you know, that game's starting to unravel. Ubisoft is getting caught not only with its pants down as far as allegations about sexual misconduct. I'm not and, sure pants and, down is the phrase you want to use when talking about yeah, allegations. Oh, true enough. It might be insensitive, and I, I, I'll admit that. But it, it's just they're, they're, they're being bad people. They're being bad players when it comes to that end of it. But as well, they've also been really harsh on anyone bringing uh, uh, an, a differing opinion to their software in the past. That's coming out as well. And that's where it's really starting to hit the fan, where they're like completely shutting YouTubers down and people and giving other people unfettered access to all of their betas and and whatnot and and then completely ruining people's careers. Because the one thing that all this has shown, and this goes into a bigger meta conversation, all right, about Mixer and about TikTok and about all this stuff happening where people's careers are being threatened, like like people who make their livelihood off of these platforms are being threatened by short-sighted companies or yeah. political decisions that, you know, or companies just choosing not to support somebody in the space. It, it, it's disgusting to watch, right? Like you're seeing people's careers being ended oh, by, yeah. by these decisions. Well, yeah. It's brutal. And, and, and as someone who works in those creative industries, I've always been terrified of being reliant upon a, a platform for that reason. Yeah, and as you should, like honestly, I think it's it's my heart breaks where all the people, like I say, on Mixer and whatnot, and potentially yeah. on this TikTok ban and and whatnot. Not that I'm a TikTok fan, I don't think I don't even have the app. But that being said, I know that I've watched people produce on the app through Twitter or whatever, and there's some you know real humdingers on there, like some some stuff that's made me laugh out loud over this pandemic. So I think that it, creative people are going to be creative and mm-hmm. it's just brutal when the carpet gets pulled out from under people's feet that are these creators. And I don't know, it's, it's just so difficult. Like when a, when, a, when a video game company decides that they don't like the way that you review their titles and then they withhold and they make, they hold you back as a reviewer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think ACG is one of the ones that stands out to me where he just get keeps on getting shit on by a lot of people and he just you know Jarek just keeps on coming back with well I didn't get in on the early beta I'm going to review it with you guys and I'm going to give the copy away or whatever like he he's still supporting his community he's still running his Patreon he's still doing everything that he can to be the the consistent reviewer that he is on video games and he's one of the ones that I look to to know if I'm going to like a game or not and he may not be the biggest or, you know, he's no ninja or, you know, he's not a streamer. He's just a game reviewer. Yeah. But it just, I, I just, my heart does kind of go out to him when I see companies just messing with his livelihood. Well, that's the thing, you know, I think that, you know, the industry in general and the public needs to be a part of this, needs to take a look at reviewers. Um, you know, reviewers have now turned into and have been assimilated as a part of the marketing machine. It's not so much, you know, hey, try this out. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't. They are so keen for positive reviews, you know, for 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 headlines, for 
for snippets for whatever these companies want to use it for so obviously they are going to um, make friends and send things to more positive reviewers and because of that what you're what you have been seeing lately is some reviewers who used to be very unbiased kind of toned back because they still want to be allowed to the table and I think that's yep. that's that's fundamentally that's wrong you know uh, you're, you're also messing with what someone actually thinks of something like that's you're manipulating you're again you're creating the message that you want to go out there as opposed to congratulating you or you know hey you need to improve on xyz you know everyone's just trying to create this this pit this beautiful world and everything is is cool and everything is fantastic and this is why kind of you know you have that one part of the reviewers and i'm talking about like you know more of the um, official reviewers like you know the IGN folks the Atlanta uh, people mm -hmm. those types of YouTubers you know they're part of the marketing machine and then you have the flip side of that where you have the what happened to the last of us 2 and their Metacritic score you know so because of that yeah. Metacritic has responded saying hey there's now going to be a window and we're going to essentially you know not release what the actual rating is until after the fact and a few days later so you know all of this again you know it is it can be for good and it can be for bad it's just i guess we're gonna have to see and i think that this really goes back to what my whole point is is that we you know geeks from the companies to the consumers to the advertisers to the critics we really need to take a look at you know what how we're contributing um because you know essentially we're creating a very toxic world and continuing this toxic um lifestyle to reviewers and we're contributing to a company's bottom line by creating positive reviews just for the sake of positive reviews and it really shouldn't be like that so i don't know there's a lot to take in with everything that i said yeah but, sorry uh, to send us down this like hugely divergent path right off the opening but, you know, like I've seen it with Lego and, and there's nothing more childish and, and pure as Lego. But I've seen guys that have come out and every time they criticize a Lego uh, uh, mistake, they always present an option to fix it. It's not like they're just sitting there, this piece of shit, don't buy it. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're actually engaging in the community and saying, hey, look, if you added another minifig, if you made this change, if you made it more compatible, if you maybe added a few more pieces to the parts ratio. Mm -hmm. they, they've done everything that they can to contribute, and LEGO continuously shorthands them, and then the guy who glad hands them when they get a set, oh, check yeah. this out. He knows it's a complete piece of shit. There's no ship in it. It's an image. And he goes on, he makes a 40-minute build video, and then LEGO sends him the rest. You know yeah. what I mean? Of, of stuff two months before it comes out. And I'm like, oh, this is just crazy, man, because, like, people's careers are depending on this. I've seen so many just between YouTube demonetizing children's videos with Lego to to this now where Lego is shorthanding people. Yeah. And this guy is having to basically review sets based on his Patreon response now. But and it, you, it's... Not uh, only that, but, you know, we talked about it when The Last of Us 2 came out um, in regards to bonuses for the actual developers and the people who created oh, yeah. the, the, the movies or the uh, the games and whatnot whatever it is mm -hmm. you know if it's dependent on a certain critic score you know it's kind of it's 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 we are destroying so many game, possible lives there was one game that was one percent off 
on oh, a yeah. Metacritic score from the staff getting their bonuses. That yeah, bullshit. I mean, this is, you know, for that specific bit, I don't think, like, I think that tying your bonus to, to critical reviews is a nonsense metric that should be illegal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to sales numbers is one thing, because at least that is, like, maybe you have some influence over it. And I don't love that sometimes, because, you know, if you're... If you're just a rigger, you have no real control as long as you've done your job well. If, you know, narrative yeah. fucks up. Yeah, but you know what? It, it's not like anybody involved in the production of it is trying. They're ultimately not responsible for the outcome. You know what I mean? Like even rigger, anybody, I don't yeah. care who you are. If you're involved in the production, you're following someone's order. That order comes from the top. All right. The bonuses should be at the top. They should just pay their fucking employees. Well, I mean, that's <laughs> like, a whole other. That's a whole other like can of worms. Designs. Yeah. Yeah, I know. But at the end of the day, I, I can't imagine that there's this big convened meeting where everybody sits there and goes, well, I don't think this mechanic's working properly or like the, the case has to be super strong. Yeah. It has to be built, has to be brought or it's independent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like where I, I just I just can't see it. And then basing it on critical, even sales. I don't know. It's a tough one. It is a tough yeah. one. But you Worked know, hard. I think what the point is that we're all trying to get along or get off on right now is the fact that, you know, you have to be careful when it when when you see a review. There are other intentions to a review being overly positive, overly negative. Um, and, you know, you have to take all of these reviewers. You know, you, you're going to find a reviewer that you're going to trust. You know, I think we all have that. Reviewers that we tend to side with more because they have similar interests and tastes as us. Um, but, you know, you cannot base your personal experience without actually experiencing it and while i know that reviews sometimes can be important to see if you know you're 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 borderline on buying something i know that that will either get you to buy it or not but you still have to you know take, uh, take into consideration what the source is and you know what their intentions could be as they're reviewing something final words on this topic phil hey i echo those same sentiments you know what i have my group i'll i'll release them so we can release them from It's Canon Podcast uh, and, and on our personal accounts or whatever. But I have my group of people that I support that, you know what, they make or break a game for me. Uh, regardless of the hype, I've, I'm old enough now that I can differentiate it. Like, you know, it took a while because uh, marketing's slick. But overall, I, I look to these people and they might be different people than you, you do, than you look to. And that's okay. Yeah. You know, just be comfortable and finding the voices on the internet that you're cool with listening to. That's what it's all about. So power to the people. Tyler, final words on this topic. Uh, you know, short of actually pressuring anyone in the government or actually voting with your dollars, there's not really much an individual can do. I mean, I think that, you know, send your local government person emails or letters if you think that it's an important cause about legitimate marketing and what the rules of marketing should or shouldn't be and think about where you spend your money because if you buy a game full price brand new 
you know, they're going to think the marketing is working, even if you think it's loathsome. So, good point. Yep, great point. There you go. So that is our quick rant on reviewers and whatnot, and you know, kind of what you have to watch out for. So, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Microsoft has rebranded Xbox Game Pass, just as Game Pass dropping the Xbox. And this, of course, is lighting the speculation and the rumors and rumors and innuendo as it pertains to Game Pass appearing on all platforms, including Nintendo. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, it's on PC right now. Yep. Um, I mean, you can get... I, I got it because it was it's a free for the first month right now, and you can get a crazy number of brand new games. Yeah, it's it's insane. Bill, what do you think of Game Pass possibly being available on all uh, platforms, including other video game platforms? I would say this, in full support of of what Tyler has stated about it being on the PC. The fact is, is that to most developers, I don't think it's a big stretch developing on the PC over to Xbox. I know that there is some uh, 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 manipulation that needs to be done, but overall, the platforms are made to be accessible. However, PlayStation 5 or 4, uh, Nintendo are complete different beasts. They can be tamed. I don't think that there's any hope in hell that we see Nintendo or Sony embracing this, considering how long it took to get cross-play on certain titles. And we're not talking all titles. We're talking certain titles. I think it's just Xbox trying to minimize the console war because they know they're going to get effed on it. They know that the wallop is coming, and it doesn't mean they're out. I'm not being anti-Xbox because there are some strong points with Xbox here. I own one. I don't have the newest. Obviously, no one does. But I'm going to say that Xbox Game Pass is excellent. It's excellent. It, it's amazing to get games when they're new. And it has a lot of bonuses that are going to make sure that this console survives and maybe thrives. It was once on top. It can return there. You know, the ball is going to be in PlayStation's court. And I think Xbox is guarding its biggest weapon in this war. And that's Game Pass. Tyler, any thoughts there? That- that's interesting. I um, like I get where you're coming from. I I, I agree. Like I don't think there's a, any, especially like the switch. I think there's no way in hell it's ending up on the switch. Yeah, that's just that's that is it just makes no gosh darn seconds. I can see Nintendo completely like the executives never <laughs> like <What? just> never. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Nintendo has such a war chest. Nintendo, again, Nintendo is such a weird case, but I think that the other side of it is like looking at Game Pass is what EA's origin like always wanted to be and mm. could never deliver on. Um, and, you know, we can, I don't think it's worthwhile for us to go into the variety of reasons it couldn't, but I think that I think that you're right. I think they're out trying to outflank Sony. And they're trying to be like, look, we're not going to get you all to buy a new console, but we're going to get a lot of you who already have bought Windows 10 to give us fourteen ninety nine a month. You wouldn't be giving us otise. Yeah. Well, in Canada, sixteen ninety You'd be giving us that money month over month and you forget about it. Exactly. They yeah. are going to take it and I don't blame them for it. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah I mean, 
you know, value for money, it's it's head and shoulders above almost any other option out there. It possibly the the Sony play old games option, which I'm brain for what it's called. Yeah. Oh, the PS Now. No, because PS Now and there's PS Play. I I know Boris just signed up for this. Yeah, I just signed up for PS Now. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And you know what? Go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, is PlayStation Now the one that lets you download PS2 games? Yeah. No, and PS4. Up to PS4 games now. Yeah, I meant all the way back. I was thinking more of like how far back that catalog is. Yeah, Game Pass. Uh, Or sorry, Game Now. uh, PlayStation Now. Uh, you can download PlayStation 2, 3, and 4 games. Yeah. But it's select. It's basically streaming service. Um, they say their requirement is uh, 5 megs a second. You know, I put it to a test. And it, without actually um, seeing issues, you can go down as little as 7, 8 megs a second without downloading mm. something. If you're downloading anything at the same time, you will start seeing some lag. But overall, I got... And th- okay, this was a PlayStation 3 game, so I'm sure that if I'm trying to play something like the new Doom, uh, you know, that will not be the case. But for my testing and uh, just, you know, fooling around with it, so far I've been able to get pretty good streaming from PS Now. For as little as seven megs a second, and downloading the game option, you know, again, the, every month apparently you're going to be able to download more games. But right now, you can only download a select uh, number of titles. Um, but overall, you know, for twelve ninety nine a month, I'm pretty happy with the service. You know, seeing the library that they have, I've done the quick math. You know, you can probably buy. Let's just say that a game that I would be interested in would probably cost fifteen bucks. Um, considering that the yearly service costs 70 um, uh, Canadian, um, you know, for just a few more iterations of that 15 bucks, you know, I'll be able to constantly play and download whatever game is on that service. So I think overall it is worth it. However, you have to take into consideration that now I have PlayStation Now and, um, you know, they're their uh, PlayStation Plus service. So we're looking at about, you know, 120 to 130 Canadian a year to get both of their services, which can be an issue because now even within the gaming, you have to look at all of the subscriptions that you're getting yourself into. One thing that did come out over the weekend was that apparently Halo Infinite will be free for multiplayer. And again, the strategy is that you'll be able to play with your friends using Game Pass and whatnot. But this did light a lot of rumor and innuendo as it pertains to the future of Xbox Live. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put in Xbox Live is already dead. They're not selling yearly subscriptions yep, anymore. Exactly. You can only get it through Xbox Game Pass on the long term. Uh, Game Pass in September releases streaming. So I'll be the first to review that. I know that uh, in terms of how well it functions over over a, a modest inf- internet connection at 50 megs. But um, I'm also it shows that Halo Infinite now with that model is going for Fortnite. That's the point, is that they're ending the franchise. This is the rumor mill, guys. They're ending the franchise in terms of produced 
sequels, all right? So Halo Infinite, when you buy it, essentially is the single-player Halo. And the multiplayer Halo is going to be free for all or accessible to all as far as multiplayer access, a la Fortnite, and then propagated by in-game purchases. Well, someone else has this strategy, and that's Call of Duty. Uh, apparently, Call of Duty is do using going to start using this strategy where you have your you know your basic campaign and that's what you're paying for uh, whenever a new game comes out. But the Call of Duty multiplayer will be cross-platform, quote unquote, free to play and whatnot. So this seems to be the new strategy for FPS games. Thank you, Riot, for. Uh, making and and I guess uh, you know there's other games, but Riot Games really helped with uh, making free-to-play games very accessible and the need for cross-platform and whatnot. But this seems to be the future of where franchises like Halo and Call of Duty seem to be going, and that's because Fortnite really, really uh, disturbed the scene. They didn't disturb the scene once. You know what I mean? Like, this is an ongoing thing. Yeah. Fortnite constantly is like, okay, well, when's everybody going to stop playing Fortnite? You know what I mean? I remember walking around Toys R Us, and there's Fortnite toys. And I'm like, well, when's this shit going to go off the shelf? You know, and, and it doesn't. It, it, it's, it's always going back to number one. Like, whenever a game comes along and knocks it off, it comes back. So... This is why the bigger companies now are mobilizing on this type of platform with, you know, Call of Duty Cold War coming out and, and all the hints being dropped in Warzone and all the stuff. It's happening for a reason. I don't know how sustainable it is. Apparently, the model is there. So, you know, it's not my game. Yeah. Kids, you know, you're not going to catch me going around as a unicorn or whatever, killing everybody and building walls and all this kind of stuff. But it's for a lot of people, and good on them. You know what? Gaming's gaming. I'm 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 a big believer in everyone who games is a gamer. So have fun with it. I'll go back and buy my, you know, old man, uh, uh, single player games and and play with my friends on co op games and whatnot. I know that I'm dating myself there, but it, it's what I enjoy. And as long as I support it, I'm sure developers will develop, and as they will for theirs. Tyler, any thoughts? Tyler, how do you feel? Do you think that they can all do that and not like it? To me, it it you know I understand why you would do it, but it just sounds like you're you're trying to you're trying to you're trying to fight in like the already choppy waters instead of again instead of flanking. Like if you want to have like. I mean, Call of Duty free online to play is just such a like, okay. I mean, your your audience has been not exactly thrilled with you for a bit now. I don't yeah, know. I agree. Like, it doesn't seem sustainable. And it seems like the big guys, if anyone, are gonna screw it up. Yep. Right. Like they're gonna they're gonna ruin the party. But we saw it with Destiny and yeah. and that exit from Activision, you know, Bungie trying to extract themselves. And then moving to some kind of hybrid model. And then, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know what the hell is going on with Destiny anymore. And they pissed me off enough as a player that I don't freaking care anymore. You know, they, they have a nostalgic string in my heart for when they launch your next IP, if ever. 
but yeah. that's about it. Like when I look at the mess that they made and I'm expecting all of this stuff to go the exact same direction when these, when these publishers try to adapt this late in the game, if you're not on it the week after Fortnite launches, you're done. Like that, that's basically yeah. it. You know, once Epic proves that they can sustain this, that they can distribute a game on this platform for free and, and, and do what they need to do to monetize upkeep of the servers and make themselves profitable. You're, you've already lost, you know, you've got to outflank. You're right. And I don't I, think they are. I think they're, they're trying to compete head to head in some yeah. kind of weird way and trick people who maybe the, the, the five people like me who aren't playing Fortnite into playing Fortnite, except yeah. in Halo. Well, I, I mean, I think Epic is doing the right thing because they're trying to flank them right now, right? Yeah. They are. Like, you know, they're trying to set up a Steam killer, which they may or may not, but they have, they've built their player base so much just because it's like, here's a free game every week. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. It's crazy what's going on on the PC front, but, you know, that always gets lost in the, in the waves right? and good for PC players because there's a lot to be claimed in that, in that zone if you're a gamer in there whew, yeah. so, man oh man that, that's been a great fight between epic and steam yeah so there's a article right now that i've been reading in front of me it's from forbes dated from august 1st and the title is the math behind why microsoft will kill xbox live gold for game pass uh so they to summarize this article they summed up a lot of the things that we had already talked about and that's as it pertains to, you know, the cross-platform play being, you know, the the big driver, the monthly recurring revenue and subscription services being big. The one area where this article kind of kills me is at the end when they try to say, hey, but Sony doesn't have anything like this PS Now. Um, the adoption rate is a lot lower, blah, 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 which that part is true. Uh, but they don't really give the chops to PlayStation um, and they're basically saying, hey, but PlayStation has their PS Plus, which is 60 bucks a year. Um, and they don't have anything else outside of that. So this is a very pro-Microsoft article uh, that doesn't really go in as much depth as us. But hey, it's there. And if you want to see some of the numbers and kind of a justification for this brave new world that they're going to be entering in, uh, Forbes has that article. And like I said, the name of it is The Math Behind Why Microsoft Will Kill Xbox Live Gold for Game Pass. That's that there. Uh, Microsoft, or Sony has announced that their next state of play, it will be coming this Thursday, August 6th, at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Uh, for our British friends. Um, and they already did reveal that there's going to be no big PlayStation 5 announcements, uh, but they will be giving an update on the upcoming third-party published PS4 and PSVR games. Um, and people keep forgetting that there are still games slated for PS4, and they include Cyberpunk 2077, Marvel's Avengers, Star Wars Squadrons, Watch Dog Legions, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, and many, many more. I I thought we still didn't have a date for Watch Dogs Legion, though. We don't, officially. Yeah. But I can see I, I an mean, announcement coming. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that everyone's read between the lines, and even though we're getting a PS5 update, we've all kind of deduced when it's coming. Yeah. Yeah, pretty um, much. Yeah, we're just waiting on price. Yeah. Which uh, leaked today, 
via a French website, supposedly, to be 599 pounds for the disc version, 400 or euros, 499 euros for the disc less version. Ooh. Just a rumor. Yeah, no, I'm looking at that right now. Hopefully, the price is transferred. Because how they do the difference between Euro and English is all over the place. It, it basically, from what I've seen in Lego Worlds, um, it's basically going to be $5.99 American. Yeah. Um, wow. And $4.99 American. So that means, you know, we're going to be six looking at five. 6 or seven ninety nine Canadian. Wow. Depending on what kind of markups they're looking at. I'm thinking okay. six ninety nine and five ninety nine Canadian. I'm hoping. So interestingly, um, this I'm looking at that leak that you had, and they're saying that um, three. They're saying three ninety nine, four ninety nine, American. Interesting. So then that would be five and four Canadian. Is what I'm historically because historically, uh, PlayStation Sony does their American to Euro at par. Very cool. Ooh. Very interesting. I like that. That would be interesting. Yeah. That's, that right there will sway a lot of people to the Sony side, I'm sure. Yeah. But you know Xbox are just going to undercut that. You know, you with their think. discless version that apparently is basically an Xbox One S yep. that's just yeah. got the better architecture and whatnot. You know, we're looking at that's probably just going to come in at pants down two ninety nine or something. And That'd be phenomenal. Com- yeah, but it's basically just min- minorly upgrading your Xbox, right? You're not even getting 4K. In, in some cases, you know, from what I hear about Lockhart, it might be a step backwards. Um, wow. But it's just to get in at that price point and still get the teraflops, right? Like still get the ability to process and the ability to appease gamers. Who might not have the cash yeah and then even still possibly looking at undercutting on the disc version which it's a sexy machine it is like the board cube is really cool i i'm i'm curious to see it and own it at one point but i you know it's tough man the the sony compulsion towards these uh, the, the the corner that they've carved out with these first party games and whatnot these exclusive deals is really appealing to me as a gamer, being in the age group that I am, and 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 playing the games that I like to play. Yeah, I don't know if that's everybody. I, oh, yeah, I, I will I, say I, that this fight. Sorry, go for first. I was just gonna say that I agree with Phil. I'm kind of in the same boat as as you. Go ahead, Tyler. I, yeah, I was gonna, I was just gonna be like, I mean, the good news is we're all kind of seeing that these two fighting is good for customers. And- Very. Here's the thing, though. Like I said last week, yes, they are competing against each other, but the real war is not Sony versus Microsoft, Xbox versus PlayStation. It's Sony and Xbox and Nintendo versus PC gaming. Maybe. I mean, I think that, again, Xbox is trying to flank that and be like, no, no, we're on both teams. That's, yeah, that's essentially yeah. where I kind of wanted to go and say, but then you have Xbox, who clearly, again, they're trying to dominate both roles and be a, like be a, able to access the most people, so the way that they see this possible is by having Game Pass, you know, being that platform to unite them all. I just can't see, all right, and this is my own ignorance, 
and probably not the greatest place to air it over a podcast. But with PC gaming, as big as it is, PC gamers have always been just doing what they do. PC gaming. Yeah. You know, they 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 don't they laugh at the console they wars, do. you yep. know. The, the any any metric that I see about success or failure of a company is not based on PC games. Agreed. PC games are just the underlying, you know, thing that's out there. The the love and hate relationship between developers and PC gaming. Our games are going to get cracked. Or you know, they want to develop for consoles because it's it, it creates barriers for their IPs, right? So every metric that I see is basically a console war as as a metric, not a PC game. So I just can't see PC being relevant to this whole thing. They're just benefactors. Like the more companies want to go and make Cyber 2077 and the more PC gamers want to build the ultimate PC that can run 120 frames per second of ray tracing, whatever, at however billions of dollars they want to make, they want to spend, go for it. You know, you're going to beat me hands down. You can play it in 8K. Go for it. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's a PC gamer's mindset. They're, they're, they've they're always been, you know, on their own path. When I was a PC gamer, man, oh, man, you can screw consoles, blah, yeah. blah, blah. You guys you guys can't get resolution. You don't even know what that means. Wow. You're right. You're right. I just I just can't see it being super relevant. Like the, the, the marketing, the everything that drives the game industry right now, is console the the threat that I see coming up is uh, uh, gaming on your smartphone, Mo- mobile gaming. Mobile gaming. Yes. That that is posing to be a huge market. If you look at any of the hardware sales, you got ROG, you got Lenovo, you got like Asus ROG, you got Lenovo, you got multiple guys, multiple players getting into that market and making gaming handsets that also happen to be phones that can stream that can portrait lance you know portrait uh camera everything accessories uh coolers for your phone everything that's happening in the pc market that was exciting and everything like that is happening in the mobile division to get those kids gaming in that end of it yeah yeah i mean you look at statista i just pulled the stats for this because i thought it was interesting so if you look at ps4 install base is 112 million units um, the PC regular gamer installed base, and that's across all games that they can get data for, is 1.3 million. The 1.3 billion. Yeah. And the mobile gamer base is 2.2 billion. So it's, yeah, 10 a, times. A quarter of all humans. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's a lot crazy. of Candy Crush. <laughs> I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that's. It's- the good and bad of it is the shitter is, games games that you can play I mean, while on the shitter yeah and yeah. or being a lunatic in pokemon go <laughs> yeah but yeah i know in watching unbox therapy and whatnot lately i'm seeing lou review more and more handsets that are coming across his desk that are gaming phones and he's playing like uh uh shooter games you know PUBG or whatever the fuck it's called he's playing those types of things at 120 hertz refresh rates and playing against you know supposedly pc gamers in cross-platform kind of stuff and he's beating them because he's got the the advantage with the performance of the smaller screen at the higher res and the higher refresh rate and he's just going through and you know just just shitting around in a studio yeah. On like a Tuesday afternoon, and having a blast doing it, and I'm like, man, that's a cell phone. 
That's yeah. crazy. I'm so far away from the mobile gaming world right now that um, I'm not exactly 100% sure what's out there. I, I need to do my research on that um, and, and get back in the loop. But I, I know that technology was just getting absolutely crazy. And, you know, again, you know, that's the differentiated differentiator between, you know, Android phones is their specs and all the extra BS. So these companies that can make gaming phones, they have that advantage as for their consumers. So I always got to mess it up. <laughs> yeah, you do. I'm telling you. So that's, you know, I think it's time to move on from video games where we've spent a lot of time chatting video games. There's so much more that I wanted to talk about because this past weekend was a, thankfully a long weekend here in Canada for most people as today is Simcoe Day, Civic Holiday, whatever you want to call it. And we had so much TV to watch as Netflix and Disney Plus release a lot of new content over the weekend. The main three things that we're going to be talking about are Transformers, Muppets, and Umbrella Academy. Phil, I didn't get a chance to watch the Muppets on Disney Plus. I'm sure you did. So I will leave it up to you to kind of summarize your thoughts on this new Muppets show. Well, yeah. And you know what? It's funny because I looked at this list and I ordered them in the order that I thought would make most sense for me. So Muppets was first. I completed Transformer second. And I embarked upon Umbrella Academy. And as far as the Muppets goes, it's not the Muppets of old. It's, it is updated. It isn't quite as edgy as that ABC series um, that came out a few years ago. But it's definitely got a little bit of adult content. It's got a little bit for the kids. There's nothing that the kids can't watch from what I saw or recollect. And it's um, it's more, you know, it's just for a new generation. It, it's, it really is. It's a new voice for Kermit. I am struggling with that as a, as a fan of Jim and Steve's portrayal of Kermit over the years. Um, but it, it was nice to see it put it that way it was a nostalgic kick for the half hour that it was and i'm looking forward to weekly episodes and seeing some of the characters define themselves properly by their puppeteers um their performance is obviously a big influence on how the muppets come across or puppets or whatever it is vernacular you want to use it was fun it was it was silly it was it was shenanigans it was a guest rupaul was the main guest which i thought was a pretty brave choice for the muppets I on, think on it's a super guess? clever choice. Yep. Um, I mean, RuPaul and RuPaul's Drag Race. I don't know if you, they don't know how much you turn about that scene, but like started doing well. But now there is, and I'm not making this up. There is RuPaul's Drag Race, the American one. Then there's a UK one. Canada launched five weeks ago. Yep. Um, there's an All Stars, and there's like a, there's a Thailand. Like that's an empire. Ah, that's crazy. Like, RuPaul has an empire before we even talk about the fact that they own a bunch of fracking sites. <laughs> man. Oh man. Oh man. It was good though to see the Muppets, and that's where there was a little bit of an edge where they're talking to him about yeah. you know the show and stuff like that. And and it was fun to see portrayals of certain characters come on like certain Muppets that are very obviously um, gay or, or LGBTQ you know what I mean like 
just in that realm, in that spectrum, in the, in the rainbow realm, talking to him. And I'm like, this is totally cool. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, this is a great evolution for the Muppets to actually embrace different audiences, not alienate, and, and have some fun in there for everybody to watch. And so I thought it was very open as far as all of that goes, and I'm okay with it. You know, I can see maybe some people not, but I think that just speaks to the world and maybe the world that they live in. I don't know. Did you you find it a lot to be like um, uh, The Muppet Show? Like The Muppet Show? It's time to remind the music. It it wasn't as structured as that. It's it's obviously... um, it's, It's more... It's supposed to be improv. I don't know how yeah. much of it is. Like, honestly, yeah. it's as, hard to improv with Muppets as far as that goes. But it it's supposed to be, you know, Muppets now unscripted. I think it's really just trying to get an edge. Um, it, it, it does have guests on the show, which are mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah. I'll harken back to the Fraggle relaunch on Apple Plus mm-hmm. TV. They did... They did uh, um, a small run of Fraggle shows that were socially distanced. Yeah. So they used some kind of um, radish communicator and they were able to communicate to other people. So all the Fraggles were individually and they were apparently all shot on the iPhone 11. So the, the puppeteers had the Fraggles on their hands at home doing the show with, you know, backgrounds and whatnot to make it look authentic. And they were doing this show with like Alanis Morissette and different artists and they were singing and they were all singing with the Fraggles and whatnot. That was a little more variety show for me because there was talk, there was music, there was stuff like that. Whereas Muppets now was a little more of a stand up comedic kind of, you know, that type of tone. And it's Mm -hmm. not bad. You know, like I, I, I pushed out several tweets and Instagram posts and whatnot asking because, you know, the next day, Disney go ahead, Disney Plus, and they release a whole bunch of new avatars that are all the Muppets. And I'm like, that's great. Now, how about releasing all of the old Muppet shows on your Disney Plus? Because they promised us when they bought Jim Henson, they promised us that seasons four and five would come out on DVD, and they never did. Right. Yeah. So two, two full seasons of Muppets that haven't officially gotten their enshrinement into people's homes yeah so i'm i'm curious about that because i read the like i read two jim henson books over the past year and a half mm-hmm. and everyone's kind of reported that like jim would have a bunch of like extra clauses and stuff in contracts um so like people would part own things and yeah. it would be like so yeah like disney bought the henson company's share of stuff but it might be something bizarre like the freaking we can't have a taskmaster led movie because some small studio owns the rights to a taskmaster solo movie or something. Well, the majority of the way that most of that contract broke out is yeah. the Henson company still owns uh, and that's Lisa, Cheryl and Brian still yeah. own Dark Crystal, uh, uh Labyrinth, uh anything that was, you know, storyteller, mm-hmm. anything that wasn't the Muppets, but the Muppets property completely got sold to Disney. Of what they owned. I'm saying like it might be something bizarre of like some voice actor owns some minor character. Like owns oh. a right to it or whatever, right? Yeah, maybe. Maybe, you know, who knows what Jim negotiated. That's true. Yeah. At, at least he, it's it was not, very much in the performance corner. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. at least it's not as extreme as the Peanuts contract, where you know you're essentially not allowed God. to make any new Peanuts stories, um, and you can only have intelligent retelling and recreations, but no new Peanuts stories are allowed. Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. I mean, well, they're allowed yeah, to make Muppets. They yeah, made a that's... great movie at first. They made a terrible movie to follow it up, and they did a TV show that I thought was way better than it got any appreciation for. Just because it missed marketing. Yeah, that had no marketing behind it. I yeah, I mean the other side is also Garfield, right? Of like it, for for a smile and whatever that licensing fee is, you could put Garfield on anything. Yeah. You can even put it in Zombieland. Yeah. yeah. Yep, we have that pizza store here in Toronto. That <laughs> apparently they're gonna make a movie based off of. So go figure. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So that is the pizza. Yes, pizza. So that is Muppets now on Disney Plus. As Phil mentioned, it is a weekly release. Um, so they are going to the you know the strategy that Disney tends to use is that weekly releases as opposed to binge watching. So let's jump on to a couple shows that we were able to binge watch. Those shows were available on Netflix, and we are actually going to start with Transformers: War for Cybertron trilogy, the first. Part was released on Friday, and it was six about half an hour shows episodes. And essentially, what this show is is a retelling of G One. Um, you know, it was a lot darker than what you're used to. The characters were, I guess, a little deeper than what we're used to. The story was a little darker than what we're used to. And you have this new dynamic of the war in Cybertron where, you know, uh, Megatron is basically the king of Cybertron and the Autobots are essentially the rebels. And one thing that made me go, hmm, and it continues to go make me go, hmm, and that's the fact that Optimus is such an idiot in this show. It made me laugh. But... One thing I absolutely did love was the way that they treated Ultra Magnus because Ultra Magnus completely ruined the movie for me. But overall, like I said, um, oh, it's a retelling of G1. I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but I can see this first part essentially taking place on Cybertron, the second part taking place on Earth, and then the third part taking place back on Cybertron. But it's very different you had to get used to the way that they portrayed some of the characters. Like I said, like Ultra Magnus, like Bumblebee, like Optimus and being like essentially not listening to any of his generals. But overall, I enjoyed it. It was short. Like I mentioned, six, about 30 minute episodes. So to binge watch it wasn't too hard. And overall, I liked it. And I am intrigued going into the second part which I'm not sure when that releases, um, but we'll see. Bill, what are your thoughts? I was underwhelmed. I honestly, uh, it was good in the sense that I'll watch the second part. Yeah, I think that the characters were poorly portrayed. It was nice to see the animation. I thought the stories were dry, drawn out. Um, they could have had a lot more packed in. And move the move the characters along a lot quicker. They circled around like buzzards on a corpse. 
on a lot of issues. Yeah. But overall, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I, I, it could have been a complete train wreck. It just happened to be a good afternoon in the mud. Uh, you know, nothing came out clean for me, but it it was a little bit of a fun ride. So I'm curious to see where it goes. It was pretty obvious, probably about episode three, where I'm like, okay, I figured this whole series out. You know, like like exactly like you say, they're going to go back to Earth and they're going to come back to Cybertron. I get it. I'm a big meh on this one, but uh, I'll continue to support it. Yep. There's a lot of rumors that you're going to have the Beast Wars version of the Transformers making a cross with this Cybertron group. Um, but we'll see kind of what happens. Um, and, you know, we'll see if the Maximals and the Predacons are involved in this series as they are rumored to be. But I agree with your overall sentiments. Like I said, I did like it. I'm a huge Transformers stan. I love G1. Um, you know, it's it's one of those um, nostalgia to the max type shows for me. And while I didn't agree with a lot of the stories, and you are right that it was very slow moving at times. Um, there was essentially one storyline throughout the entire six episodes that felt drawn out at times. Um, and yeah, the characters, some of them were a little boring. It was hard to kind of keep track sometimes. The animation for me was wild, was nice. I felt that they added a lot of, um, I guess, I guess, uh, you know, uh, it was dust. Anytime that they felt that the animation first and was a little difficult to do, they just added a bunch of dust to the foreground of the scene to hide yeah. a lot. Um, but overall, like I said, I, I, I'm intrigued enough and I like it enough that I'm going to keep watching. If it's, you know, two more six episode parts, then I'm all game. Tyler, did you get a chance to watch any of this Transformers show? I didn't pick it up, but I think I can summarize what you all have said. And that's they did a dark and gritty reboot to Transformers. Yes. Okay. They want to sell toys. Like, <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's what Transformers is there for. It is yeah. literally yeah, and that, it's a complete vehicle for that, and it it lived up to hype. Wait, the show that's the sole purpose was to be a commercial. Yes, remains a commercial. Yes, yeah. <laughs> despite so, despite trying to add depth, I'll I'll say this as a nostalgic like amazing point for me was just seeing the the tape player guy, Soundwave. Soundwave, yeah. Yeah, and and seeing the other half of that sound wave, the failed clone or whatever, yeah. was interesting. Like I'm like, there are some decisions that were made where I'm like, oh look, a new toy in a different shade of blue. <laughs> we, it's funny because we literally had this yeah. conversation with Lauren. Yeah, I know, right? Just oh, give them yellow hands. <laughs> yeah, new toy, package, ship it. So that is Transformers in a nutshell. Now let's move on to what was the highlight for me this past weekend, and that was Umbrella Academy Season 2 on Netflix. All 10 episodes were released, and I believe I watched this in a total of 12 hours because it was Ooh. such a good season. And I started late Friday night, and I ended about Saturday afternoon, and I binged through the 10 episodes, and wow, 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 wow. For those who do watch or read the comics, um, they borrowed elements of the comic books, but they kept me guessing throughout the 10 episodes for the most part. And while 
you know, there was a lot going on at times, especially in the beginning. You're kind of left with what the fuck is going on. As the season went on, almost everything was answered. And then once again, boom, you know, beautiful, awesome cliffhanger that opens up so many possibilities and so many different sides. And these guys, just like in the other Netflix show, Dark, they do not listen to Doc Brown as it pertains to time travel. People need to just let stuff happen naturally. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, talk about a show where you yell at the screen a lot. Yeah. <laughs> god, I mean, and, and, yeah, in comparison to what you're talking about, Transformers, half of these characters are idiots. But you're like, oh, I know why you're an idiot. Please That's stop being an idiot. That's the thing. It's like they, you know, talk about daddy issues all around the uh, the group. Um, and my favorite scene in the entire season was when the inevitable meeting did happen of ch children and father. Um, and, yep. you know, I just absolutely loved that scene. And I was just dying with how everyone was acting and how powerful their daddy issues were throughout that scene um one thing and the absolute highlight aside from story aside from characters aside from special effects aside from even the cinematography was the soundtrack that soundtrack oh, was 100 on point and i you know if they were to release that as a record i would go out and buy it right away oh my god such a good soundtrack it'll like, be a spotify playlist yeah. yeah, one of the best soundtracks I've I've been ages. Yep. Every episode yeah. had one or two awesome, awesome songs. Uh, Boris throughout. and I were talking last night, and I couldn't help it. Like, I'm six episodes in. Yeah. My personal take is the first the first season was a lot of setup yeah. and somewhat painful to watch. It's coming. Uh, uh, it, it's making season two that much better. So I'm enjoying season two a lot more than season one. But yeah, the soundtrack reminded me of soundtrack for Westworld in season one, where I'm just like playing with it and going, holy shit. Uh, wow, this is a great, great song. You know, they're put, putting this in there for the characters or for me or whatever the situation is. And I'm loving it. And I'm probably going to discuss it with my friends. So it was kind of harking back to that because that was the last time I heard a soundtrack actually make me kind of want to listen to it on Spotify. Yeah. Like, I keep forgetting, the other thing is, I kept forgetting, anytime they show Downtown Dallas, that's actually Hamilton. They did such a great job of transforming mm -hmm. Hamilton into 60s Downtown Dallas. It was so good. It's just like, you know, for a TV show, just transforming a city like that was really, really cool. The other thing that I really liked was some of the cinematography Especially, I'm a sucker for any scene that's one of those, you know, one-take type scenes where everything seems to be happening and the camera is just following characters. And they did a few of those awesome um, scenes. And there were a lot of, I guess, tributes to various things. Like, at one point, there was a tribute to Snatch, where they, even the song was the same as Snatch. And, <laughs> you know, it, was, it also did take place in a bare-knuckle fighting 
um, setting, and it was just like, okay, this is like, you know, your Guy Ritchie tribute, and there were a few of those throughout the entire season, um, and callbacks to season one that were really, really cool, and it was just so well done. I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and, you know, again, um, you know, the way that they've set up the possibilities for season three, I'm super excited, um, and, you know, and, you know, I will agree with Phil saying that season two characters were better story was better music really helped for me special effects really did you know spot on and I absolutely enjoyed season two a lot more than season one the budget and I really love season one but the season two budget is so obviously higher oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah It, it flipped my weekend playlist like honestly it was my least desired to watch and it's now i can't wait to finish it so yeah. good for them that's an achievement as far as i'm concerned and and you know just it's got it's got the quality i expect from a show and it, it's going to be hard for other shows to live up to it now netflix is up the game um just you know even the first season with the casting and everything like that and now to see it come through like you say with the budget and everything like that oh man Great show. Looking forward to it. I'm glad they did it. And it's funny because like every time I saw number five and the way that number five acts, especially, you know, in the second half of the season, I just kept getting a Damian Wayne type uh, feeling to him. And if anyone could cast him as Damian Wayne right now, do it ASAP. It was just so. Yeah. That'd be that'd be a good casting. It's perfect casting. It's perfect casting. So there you go. (laughs) Umbrella Academy season two, Netflix, all 10 episodes. Go watch it. It's a really, really good time. All right. So this is a story that we've been talking about for the past few weeks. And it involves Universal Pictures and AMC Theaters and their (sighs) ongoing saga of exclusivity. And what is the appropriate amount of time? that Universal can send their movies out to the on-demand world. And, you know, last week we were talking about the money and the flip side of all of this and taking a look at the bottom dollar and the bottom line for the theaters and why they feel they should have the exclusivity. And while I, you know, at the end of the day, I do agree with them, um, you know, in this brave new world, we are seeing that that might not be the best for them. So, you know, they essentially, everyone has to work together in order to get the content out there so that, you know, we're not losing an extraordinary amount of money um, in the entertainment world uh, because, you know, the theaters are going to be dank and moist for the next little while. Um, here in Cineplex, here in Canada, Cineplex has limited their seating to 25 per theater, and you have essentially many groups of two, and you have a couple single seaters, uh, but they are all socially distanced, and uh, the map, actually, the seating chart, seating map came out uh, last Thursday, as here in Tor- the Toronto area, the Cineplex theaters have reopened as of Friday. Have you guys, okay, I'm going to ask this, and it's all seriousness, it's going to come across as disgusting, but have you been in a social event or in a movie theater or something like that where someone farts Yeah. and you smell it and you realize that judging by the way the girlfriend's hitting the guy, they're like four or five rows ahead of you and you're catching the backdraft of that dude's like burrito? 
Yeah. That's COVID-19. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, there's no way I'm going to sit in a freaking dark box uh-huh. want yep. to watch a fucking movie that's going to be out in 17 days on my TV. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> it. So traditionally, movie distributors and cinemas agreed to let a movie run in theaters for 90 days before getting the option to make films available in homes. Uh, as reported by the New York Times, the new deal shortens this time to just 17 days, after which films have the option to be distributed via premium video on-demand services. From 90 days, which was already shortened from a few years ago when it was, I believe, 180 days. So we've gone from 90 days to just over two weeks, 17 days, three weekends. And then it's on Netflix. Then it's on wherever they <laughs> want it to be. Hey, I'm all right with it. Like, I'm glad that there was some kind of compromise, whether it be uh, something that's temporary or permanent. All right. I think it should be permanent. Honestly, give people the option. I, I was I was talking with somebody today in my family about the fact that let's say remember how we all used to sit around and say, you know, back in the before days, you know, we, we say that now, but we go Back then, we used to talk about this pandemic. In the early pandemic days, we used to say, okay, uh, this is the new normal, but it's not going to be the new normal because we're going back to normal. I don't think that there's much chance of me ever going back to normal. You know what I mean? Like me ever trusting a crowded space of recycled air, mask or no mask. I'm, I'm going to have a tough time undoing what the pandemic has done, and that really threatens things like movies and other, concerts and, uh, and concerts other you know one. events like that conventions the bo in conventions it can be a story within itself you know <laughs> so nowadays it'll be very interesting to kind of see how convention again losing listeners <laughs> by the story um so it'll be interesting well, to tyler kind of, must be cringing right now <laughs> to see how conventions will be um, in the future, Tyler, you we haven't really heard your thoughts on any of this. Um, I kind of try to summarize things as best as possible in terms of what we had talked about in the past. But what are your thoughts on movie theaters being dank and moist? What's the Brave New World look like to theaters? Do you think that they'll be able to survive? Go ahead. Yeah, I don't. I don't love. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make a comparison, and it's a little bit of a walk, but I think it's apt once you follow my walk. Um, and I say this as someone who I loathe Uber and Lyft. I just hate them. But I also at the same time recognize that like taxi cab companies need it, weren't weren't doing as well as they could have, and they need to be better for customers. And there's a lot of flaws in what how Uber does things, how Lyft does things. But the reason they were able to be so successful so fast was because cab companies weren't doing well enough. Um. And that's just that's the long and the short of it. And I feel like this is the same situation. I don't like how we're getting to it, but theaters needed to do better. Like how many theaters and less of a problem in Toronto, I guess, but like how many theaters do you go to? And it's bad seats that aren't comfortable, that are sticky. You're paying overpriced food for terrible food. And like why am and I'm paying twenty dollars for the privilege. Yep. You're paying twenty dollars for the privilege of watching this 
with good sound and a good screen. That well, might be in focus, might not be, might be lit properly, and the sound might be too loud or too soft. It's not right. consistent. And you're assuming you get a good seat. Yeah. Right? Imagine if you get one of those seats like way off to the side and the entire movie's at a cocked angle. Versus how many of us have 72-inch TVs and shit now? Yeah, and then just think. You can go to a VIP cinema and listen to somebody eat and complain all the way through the movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, right next to you. These oh. wings aren't hot. <laughs> they said the wings were going to be hot. I mean, I'm, I'm going to chew with my mouth open. Oh, I'm trying to watch a movie. I'm sorry. Am I interrupting your $20 dinner here? Like, geez. Tell us how you really think, Phil. <sighs> I just don't find it sanitary, especially eating and farting and watching TV in a dark box. It's dank and moist. I don't like it. I think Phil hates people as much as I do. (laughs) I just, you know what? If people just try to get along, it goes a long way. But when people get obtuse, it's frustrating, especially in these public environments. I just want to watch a movie. Don't turn on your phone. Don't have a conversation. Don't light it up. Don't chew with your mouth open. How about you eat the food before you go into the movie theater? And it's disgusting enough to hear you eat the popcorn. You know, like, and yeah, $20 popcorn and pop. This is what, last week I meant to bring it up again when we talked about movies. And the fact <laughs> is that Cineplex didn't innovate enough. They, okay. the, There was a failed buyout. They sat on their asses. They should be running freaking uh, drive-in movies, screening them on the outside of their building and selling $20 popcorn hand over fist to all those people. Like we have giant buildings with walls that can be used as screens to circumvent this whole issue. And they don't do it with empty parking lots. Yes. Let the hate run through you. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I know, but it's just, it's hilarious to me that they're, they're making everybody else responsible for their failure and it really is just an innovation it's just you got to think outside the box and they really missed that that chance and Uh, they still can do it what yeah and i mean i think that you know that that thing we found out where up in up here in canada the um we had a dude who like hosted the before movie thing uh and it was revealed that like he didn't get paid for the first two years of his work or something like that yeah they're like they like paid in movie vouchers for an acting job. And it's just like, that's the exact attitude of just like, no, we don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, that's it's, all, it, Yeah. Yeah. It's maddening to me because I think that they were just banking on this buyout. They violated the terms of the buyout by racking up so much debt due to COVID-19. And now they're struggling. And I'm like, the, the option is still there. You can do the right thing. You can still bring movies to people. Hell, have free you know, uh, uh, weekend movies with, you know, early showings when the sun goes down so the kids can come and watch the newest Disney movie or whatever, you know, and just get the family out into the car, buying some popcorn, do some goodwill in the community and get the, the, the big titles back on the screens, yeah. you know, and, and we just get back to watching Wonder Woman 1984 or whatever, instead of having it to be infinitely delayed. Christopher yeah. Nolan can finally show us whatever the whatever the <laughs> hell his new movie is. Exactly. 
and it would still be on a big screen. Maybe it doesn't have the great sound and, and stuff like that. But there are things that can be done. It just takes a small amount of investment, you know, comparatively. Oh, and yeah. you'll recoup it, you know. We've got these monolith buildings just yep. sitting there. Yep. Well, Cineplex is, has reduced their price to five ninety nine a regular ticket. And then on every Tuesday, their tickets for two ninety nine. So they're trying. Some, yeah, they, they have to try something, right? But I do agree that they should be thinking outside the box as much as I hate that term. I will use it here, but they do have to think a little bit outside the box and see what can they do to build goodwill between themselves and the consumer, especially, you know, here's the thing. You have cons- a good number of consumers who will not return to the theater. And I think Phil falls into that category. But then you have other people who are willing to go back, but they don't want to sit in dank and moist theaters. So I think it's right now up to Cineplex to up their game. It's up to AMC to well, up their game and give us something and promote that whatever that something is and do some goodwill and it's up to them to get you know to convince us the consumers that it is clean enough that it is good enough that it is comfortable enough for us to watch a movie without thinking about what's happening outside well you know what like how many times have we gone into a movie theater to watch the late show and it smells like butt in there what theater do you go to like i just walk in and it just smells like people, you know what I mean, and odor, and and stuff like that, unwashed. Yeah. And I go, uh, and then they turn the air conditioners on, and things get better. But then the air conditioners are kind of really loud, and then once the theater cools, then things get back to normal. You watch your movie. I'm like, like I'm surprised they're not going to charge us extra just to clean. <laughs> like, <laughs> Podcaster yells like clouds. Good for them on the price point. You know, if five ninety nine, you can potentially risk getting sick but you'll see the new christopher nolan movie <laughs> he needs you to see it he's going crazy i'm still convinced it's exception too ice but we'll i don't even care <laughs> such a weird i just <laughs> i don't know why but i'm fascinated by that by the new tenant movie because first of all it's a terrible name for a movie it's just a bad name for a movie Everyone's like like someone who lives in a building, and you're like, no, like the number 10 <laughs> with E.T. at the end. Why? And it's like, it's on the back of every DC comic now. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Let's, it's good. I don't know. Um, he makes good stuff sometimes. Most of the he time. He does, and that's why I'm fascinated, is I'm like, is this him? Is this his Icarus moment? Is this, is this Waterworld? Just- this is him just trolling the entire world. Don't worry. It's him just trolling the entire world. Kevin Costner in Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So that is... We didn't think it was around, but we found the rock. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, God. So that is theaters and the brave new world and on-demand services. So because Phil is in such a great mood, let's get Phil in an even better mood. Phil, can you give us an update and break down all of the news from the past week as it pertains to Star Wars and Kathleen Kennedy and remakes and Lucas Abraham cuts and God knows what else is going on with Star Wars. 
Uh, everybody, take a breath. Shit is fucked. <laughs> I'm just going to say, like, this is all rumor. All right. So it just, there's a lot of stuff going on out there. A lot of rumors flying around. There's two major uh, chains of thought. Like, Disney CPO Bob Chapak is apparently not happy with Star Wars. All right. So a guy walks in, he does an evaluation, he sees what Marvel's done, and then he flips over to Star Wars and he goes, What the heck happened? So now he's apparently told Kathleen that she is to stand down on the creative side. Again, rumor. All right. Kathleen's gone into full uh, standoffish mode. She's recruiting uh, to make an all-female production company. Not sure if that's going to be under Disney or not. But basically, Disney have told her that her contract will not be extended past 2021. So this next year will be... Apparently, the end of Kathleen Kennedy's reign over Star Wars. The people that are rumored to be lining up for her job are John Favreau and obviously Dave Filoni. However, the the thinking is that the job's going to go to somebody else. Like it, it's just going to go to a neutral third party company. Let the creatives be creative. So John Favreau is now reportedly working on restoring the four hour original cut of the Rise of Skywalker. Um, which is called the JJ cut or the Lucas cut. I've heard a little bit about some of the scenes and the way the movie was intended to end. I know that we talked about that guy, Matt Smith in the last episode. Um, uh, apparently Matt Smith is going to be some kind of acolyte. He's going to become the body of, of Palpatine. And apparently it's a pretty kick-ass fight between him, uh, Kylo and Ray, in the end, I don't buy it. I heard about it, and I thought it was cheesy. But, you know, apparently George Lucas was consulted on this, and it was the way he wanted to end Return oh, of the God. Jedi. Um, it's just a mess in there. Right. Now, there's another rumor that's coming out that holds equal weight. That is that Disney are going to completely uh, uh, retcon the three movies by using the veil of the force, which was introduced in Rebels by Dave Filoni. I think they're all cheap outs. They should just leave the thing alone. And there's also rumors as well. The Last Jedi, there's a bunch of unused shots or something like that, or even possibly reshooting the idea of giving Luke a better ending than what he got in The Last Jedi, because that's a big bone of contention with fans. So, and it, it even gets worse. Like the Rise of Skywalker ending involves force ghosts of. Anakin and Obi-Wan coming to beat the Emperor. Yeah, this sounds better. Oh, this sounds <laughs> like, so much better than what we got. Oh, I'm just oh, telling yeah. you, like, I I don't know that God. there's no, you can't put the lid back on this. It, no, it's I, out there, and you know what? Go make a new trilogy. Or, do what I think is the better interim solution, and make the Mandalorian, which is kicking butt, Make like a couple of weird TV shows in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. And just well, and, give it some time to like settle. Yeah. And while they have pushed out because of the pandemic and everything, they pushed out the 2023 guidelines even further yeah. on the movie stuff. So oh, yeah. they are empowering, you know, we have um, a new uh, 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 Obi-Wan Kenobi show that's in the works with Ewan McGregor. Uh, we have The Mandalorian Season 2 and Season 3 has been greenlit. Uh, 
And we also have in season two of The Mandalorian, apparently they're going to introduce Ahsoka, and she's getting her yeah. own series it's on Disney Plus live action. Sorry, Dawson, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. So we're looking at we're looking at that being the absolute baseline that we're going to get a lot more Star Wars content in the theaters or, or sorry on Disney Plus. But the theater experience, you're right, is being pushed out. I, I, all of this stuff I'm talking about that's rumored to be coming or at least being looked at in the Lucasfilm uh, headquarters are all things that would be released on Disney Plus. So they wouldn't necessarily be canonized. It would just be alternates presented to fans of trying to apologize for the mess, trying to show them what was intended, and trying to see what the reaction is in terms of how they go forward. But I don't think any of the timelines really match up because everything that I hear is 2023 at the minimum before we start seeing these alternate cut movies, which puts it right into production time on the new trilogy. I, so, hate, I hate these re-releases of different cuts. Like, oh, yeah, like the Snyder cut? Thanks, it's Zach such Snyder. a, like, it's such a, just, just have the courage to be the movie and be like, wow, it's a shitty movie. We'll do better next time. Yeah. I agree. You know what? I, I dislike The Last Jedi immensely. Sure. But I accept it. Yeah, and I'm I, like, I, good for Ryan Johnson. He, he tried something. It didn't work for me. But yeah. it may have worked for somebody else. And if that I makes sense, Star Wars fan. Yeah. And that's but, great, though. That's the thing. I'll never argue with someone who loves it because they're equal. They're allowed to have an opinion. It's not Star Wars isn't doesn't just belong to me or you or anybody else. We're all going to have different reactions. And, and to recount the whole experience and try to 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 define it into a, an agreeable position for everybody is so disney disney is outdoing oh, yeah. disney by doing a disney move it's so weird like it's it's yeah it's such a weird like even with it's not cut especially it it just reeks to me of you're giving so much credence to this cult of personality behind like the soul creator under some auteur theory yeah. Now, I, I will openly admit that this information comes from an extremely sketchy source. Sure. Um, there's, you know, all kinds of attempts to legitimize it in terms of off of Reddit and different people who have leaked stuff correctly in the past. But I think it's a lot of, you know, hand grenades and bathtubs. I just don't think that it's it's I don't believe that I can't see that John Favreau is going through seriously and recutting an extra two hours into, you know, an already disappointing movie. Like it would require so many recuts. And I mean, the, the other side of it for me is also like, do we really think that like this weird, what is and isn't Canon is, is going to be good in the long term. Uh, it's going to give us lots to talk about. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I know. I was trying to explain the Marvel Universe to my dad last night, and I'm like, God. and this is what I talk about on the show. <laughs> yeah. So, And then you Agents know. of S.H.I.E.L.D.s decide to blow up their entire timeline, and then they've added a lot more complexity to it. So go figure. Um, but you know what? Where there is smoke, there is fire, and I know that there have been a lot of rumors about Kathleen Kennedy and her future with the Star Wars brand. So... I think that we're going to see changes 
what these changes actually are will be for up for debate but i do believe that at the core creative of things we will be seeing some major changes for star wars in the next 12 to 18 months the one thing that stood out to me upon all the reviewing that i've done is the fact that star wars has completely collapsed under kathleen that is a boardroom fact the marketing the toy sales the uh, experience, you know, not only because of the pandemic, but we already knew that the Star Wars uh, experience at their at Disneyland and whatnot, Disney World, was under under attended. It was already struggling to get people in there. So, you know, they blamed it on the price increase, all this kind of stuff. But I think that really it just piles on to Kathleen's failure to lead the franchises into a strong spot for disney they expected more yeah yeah i agree yeah like i said where there's smoke there's fire and we're going to be staying on top of this because this is huge this will have huge ramifications throughout the geek world and it will kind of set a precedence as it pertains to how these major franchises can undermine our intelligence and after the fact, change what is in canon versus what isn't in canon. And I think that is something that we need to discuss further because we are walking on eggshells right now where if people don't like something, you just get a redo. And I don't fully agree with that. There are smart ways to do it, but I just don't like things like the Zack Snyder cut. You know, the re releases of movies and whatnot i think that that's a little cheap and it does undermine our intelligence in the grand scheme of things i think it also discourages any creative team from taking any risk right another point is you're now falling into you know what tyler you and i used to talk about all the time you know in previous incarnations of this show as it pertained to marvel and kind of you know how it became all about the end game, quite literally, as opposed yeah. to each standalone movie being able to be different. I feel like they're, yeah. you know, as good as they are, as good as Thor Ragnarok was, as good as uh, Guardians mm-hmm. of the Galaxy was, as good or bad as uh, Captain Marvel was, you know, they were all leaning towards one story at the end of the day, and each movie kind of started feeling more or less the same. Yeah. So. I, yeah. There we go. Yeah, I agree with you. I. I think that, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Phil, I'll pop in. A, I agree. <laughs> Phil, why don't you give our listeners an update on where the fuck you are with that fucking game, Animal Crossing? Oh gosh. Well, apparently, I read this week that people are burning out on the game. I totally get it. But this week brought about the new month of August. So we got fireworks, we got new bugs, we got new fish, and, and yeah, um, I'm finding that I'm caring about the game less and less each day. However, I'm still grinding at it. So, you know, if you really like hitting rocks, catching fish, and basically doing nothing, Animal Crossing is a game for you. <laughs> That's awesome. And Phil, how can our awesome listeners get a hold of us? Well, you can find us at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. 
email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com and subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, really anywhere that you basically find podcasts, we're there. So if you find us, please give us a listen. If you like what you hear so far, make sure to click subscribe and give us a review. And there you have it. That is part one of this week's episode of the It's Canon Podcast, where we gave you all of the newest news in the world of TV, comics, video games, books, toys, and everything. And Phil, Tyler, do you know what the best part of it all is? Uh, apparently, I heard it's in canon. That's right. It's all in canon. So we are... Boris, we are Phil, we are Tyler, we are the It's Canon Podcast, and we want to thank you so much. And stay tuned, because later on this week, on Wednesday, we have Matt Elfring coming to join us, and we will be talking about all things geek, and it will be a state of the geek union. Thank you so much. Goodbye. done.